Well, good morning and welcome. Glad that you're here. Today we are talking about um, the gift of love. I'm going to call it that in the context of one of the ministries of the church, pastoral care. That's kind of that's what we're going to talk about. We're doing this as part of a sermon series in which we are looking at all the ways we've been gifted by God, but but we're relating those to the purposes of the church. We've talked about those the last number of weeks, but today we're going to, again we're going to focus on those two. That's what I'm going to call it the gift of love and pastoral care and kind of where we go with things from that. There are lots of ways that we might describe how we understand God and how we understand the Christian journey. The way, one of the ways I like to do it is to talk about it in terms of love and begin to think about how um, 1 John 4 talks about how God is love and how we understand that within the Trinity, within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's this perfect exchange of love taking place. So it makes sense when we hear that God is love. And that our journey as Christians is deeper and deeper and further into that love and, what, and how we live that and what we do with that and how we receive that, where everything goes from that. And the call that we experience as we go deeper into that is to share that love in the world. And I want to read just um, maybe one passage or two passages from 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. This idea that God is love and he calls us into that and he calls us to love others as like the massive aspect of the journey that we're on. We are called to engage the world in, in the love that God gives us. And I think it's not a surprise then that when we start to look at Jesus trying to summarize the law, when he's asked that question by the lawyer, you know, how do you summarize the law? And he says, there are really three things, two are explicit, one is implicit, but he says, love God with everything that you have, your mind, body, spirit, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, loving your neighbor as yourself, the implicit part is you've got to love yourself. But so we're, we're loving others. And, and when we start to look at that and start to unfold that, I want to suggest that it goes in two different directions. One, it calls us to love beyond our walls, to go out into the world. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But it also calls us to love here, the community, the body. And I think if, you know, there's all these analogies in the pages of Scripture about the faith community being the body of Christ, that we're the body. And I want to say pastoral care is sort of self-care. It's, it's caring and loving and taking care of the body itself. Which brings us again to begin to, to start to think, okay, what is pastoral care itself? I heard the story a number of years ago of a young seminarian who was graduating from seminary and he was interviewing for all these different jobs. And he had a couple little churches that were trying to get him. And finally, he went to this one church and they were like, you know, we really want you and we want you to know we're really big on pastoral care. And he looked at the number of the churches and he decided to go with that one. But when he got there, he wasn't very happy because they didn't give him very much attention. They didn't feel like they were caring for him very much. And they had him doing all kinds of stuff. And it was only then that he learned that pastoral care didn't mean care of the pastor. <laughs> it meant something else. Well, what does it mean? Well, the whole idea of pastoral care, the word pastor, of course, involves this idea, is an imagery that comes from, from shepherding and sheep. And it's the idea of, of caring for the flock. 
But it's not just meant to be pastors or the leaders. It's meant to be all of us caring for the, caring for the flock in this way. If you go look at some of the definitions that are out there today, they've gone beyond the, sort of the Christian context in hospital settings and different things. People will talk about how pastoral care is different than pastoral ministry, which is where they'll put Christian ministry. But they'll talk about pastoral care being where we're providing care for the uh, emotional and, and social and all these different kinds of ways that we support people with whatever they're going through is part of what pastoral care is. I'm going to say Christians would say that and more, that that's part of what, part of what we're called to and what we're going into that. And um, I think one definition I like just goes to not trying to say what it is, but what it's about. It says what the, def, what the aim of it is. So they, the, the principal interest of pastoral care, whether exercised by clergy or laity, it's the personal welfare of persons who are hurt, troubled, alienated, or confused within. I'm going to read that one more time. The principal interest of pastoral care, whether exercised by clergy or laity, is the personal welfare of persons who are hurt, troubled, alienated, or confused within. And I want to unpack that a little bit as we kind of start to go from there. The first of which is something I'm convinced that we don't say enough as Christians. We all hurt. If you're going to live life, you're going to hurt. It doesn't mean that there's not joy. We can talk about that every day there's joy. Every day there's something to be thankful for. But we live in life, we are going to experience pain. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to experience pain. And part of what we have to do is, is deal with that. And I'll say more in a second. But that's not a surprise. We look at Jesus who comes into our world and he experiences pain again and again of all kinds of ways, but ultimately in the passion where he's betrayed by friends, spat upon, mocked, tortured, and ultimately killed. And that's, that's God. And I don't know why we would ever approach life thinking that we're going to be immune from that or not just acknowledge that. And so I want to suggest that there are all kinds of ways that we need to just own and accept that we experience pain. There are people going through health scares or health issues or cancer or people who've had loved ones died. I know um, I'm lucky that I've been this far, but just yesterday was one of the, it's the first time somebody I know personally has died from COVID, 40 years old or something like that. A guy that you've seen here because he's been one of our band members, uh, substitute band members at times. There are people going through unwanted divorces. There are broken relationships. There are people who are disappointed that they didn't get this or that. There are, we all deal with pain. We know that. But I just don't think we say it enough or acknowledge it, that that's something that, that we go through. And whatever your own personal theology is, it has to incorporate this concept. You have to have a theology that deals with the pain we experience. Um, because it's it's a reality. Now, I think the Christian answer would of, often be that th there's a d good degree of mercy in this, but we would for, be quick to say, look, God is not remote from this. It may be a mystery, but he's not remote from it because he's entered into it and suffered it to the extreme. And we also, as Christians, would always say our vision of hope includes that whatever the worst day of your life is will never be the last word. That there will always be a day, a time and a place we're headed where there's not going to be tears, where there's going to be something better, where there's going to be something redeeming that's spoken over all the hurts we've been into. And I think part of our own Christian journey, it's another sermon we've done before, but, but even on the days when we have pain, there's that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5 
where Paul says, he says this, it's, it's one I keep on my mirror usually, but it's rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say be thankful for all the bad stuff that happens, but he says be able to give thanks in all circumstances. And at the same time, the same sentence, rejoice always. So we know we're going to have pain, but we're, we're called to have a different view and a different place and to also see what we're going to be grateful for. But all of that is a long way of just saying we got to own this, that we have pain. And part of what we're talking today is about how love goes into the brokenness of the world and into the pain of the world. And the truth is, if we're living out the call that God's placed on us again and again, we're going to be called to help friends that are in, going through these places, to help the brothers and sisters that are around you as they go through a health trial, as they go through the loss of a child, as they go through all kinds of the things that we go through. But here's the thing I want to say. If you do that again and again and you do it on your own steam, you will burn out or you will become jaded or you will become useless in this ministry or you will just look away. I don't want to see it. I want to pretend it doesn't exist or whatever else. And I think God, um, the, the, the trick in this, if I'm going to say it that way, is that we have to draw on God's resources. And I'll say more on that in just a minute. But ultimately, what we're talking about as part of this pastoral care piece is being called to walk with people and what they're going through and be compassionate. And we start to think about what that means. I want to um, give you some things to think about with that. First of all, Paul, in, in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, he tells us this. Like he says, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That we're meant to live life together that way as a family. Cry with those who cry. Laugh with those who laugh. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It calls us to a place of compassion. And we, of course, expect this or modeled after this because Jesus comes down into the world and enters into its brokenness. He's always in the brokenness of it all, ministering hope and grace and mercy and love. And as Christ followers, he calls us to go into that exact same place. We'll burn out if we don't draw on his resources, but that's where he calls us. And this brings us to, to the place of compassion. I want to read a quote to you from Henry Nowen, who's a spiritual writer that I love. He's, he passed away a number of years ago. He was an intellectual, taught at Harvard and Yale, um, and went on to do other things. But he, he wrote in his book Here and Now this. He says, Compassion means to become close to the one who suffers. But we can come close to another person only when we are willing to become vulnerable ourselves. A compassionate person, he continues, says, I am your brother. I'm your sister. I'm a human. I'm fragile and mortal, just like you. I'm not scandalized by your tears, nor afraid of your pain. I too have wept. I too have felt pain. When I reflect on my own life, I realize that the moments of greatest comfort and consolation were moments when someone said, I, can't, I cannot take away your pain. I cannot offer you a solution to your problem. But I can promise you that I won't leave you alone and I will hold on to you as long and as well as I can. I think that gets to the heart of pastoral care. But as I said before, if you try to do all that again and again, on a routine basis, on your own, you'll burn out or you'll begin to avoid it. And I want to suggest the only way we can do that in a sustained way 
is if we allow God's resources to minister through us. One of my favorite definitions of ministry um, was from a guy named John Wimber who said that ministry is meeting people's needs with God's resources. And I think that's maybe more potent than ever when we talk about pastoral care. And part of us in our community is to understand that um, we have to draw on God's resources and we got to be reasonable about this. And we've contributed to people burning out. If you haven't owned this, I will. I've been in places where the rock star youth minister had no boundaries. She would, she was probably the most effective one I've ever seen in some ways, but she lasted like four years because she had no boundaries and she just burned out completely. There wasn't a healthy system. I don't know. We probably should have had a whole staff, which, you know, all this stuff is systems. I'm going to, it's all systems, right? If people aren't giving, there's not enough to hire all the people that need to be there. The person, you know, but the ultimate end of the day, we have to, if we're going to do this, rely on God to, to, to help us and minister this way. So now we come to this place where I want to talk about the gift of love. Because if you go read in Paul's writings, all the places, there are a number of different places in the New Testament where we'll list out the spiritual gifts. You won't see listed there as one of the spiritual gifts, love. But if you go to Galatians 5 and you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one is going to be love. And I'm convinced that it is still a gift. I'm going to call it a gift, even though it's not in that formal list. But if you allow God's Spirit to move in you and you invite God's Spirit to have uh, freedom within you, the very first aspect of the fruit is going to be love. You remember that list? Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Love is going to be the first one. God will give it to us as we invite His Spirit to do that within us. And our gospel lesson today reminds me about how God cares about our hearts. He cares about what's on the inside and not just you know our actions. And I think that God, not only that, well, God will give us the ability to love in ways we could never love. He will give us the ability to forgive in ways we could never forgive as we invite him into us at deeper levels. I think there are all kinds of classic examples of this. I always, when I think about forgiveness, I always think about Corey Ten Boom, who was in the concentration camp and her sister, Becky or Beth, died in the concentration camp. She talks about later doing revivals. And the day, I don't know how this works out with the trials, to be honest with you, but she tells the story that she looks up and she sees one of the guards from the camp coming down the aisle asking for, for her forgiveness. And she's like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And she prays the whole way while he's walking down, and she forgives him. And she would say, not because of what she could do, but what God could do in her. And, and that's the way a lot of not just forgiveness, but pastoral care takes place. I remember one of the very first pastoral care memories I have was in high school. I was really involved in the youth group at the church that I was at. And one of my really good friends there was involved in it also. And on this particular day, there was, there was a, he lived down the street from me, literally the same street. There was a huge tragedy. I grew up in a town of 50,000. I think everybody knew what was going on. But this guy's sister died. She was, she was a senior in high school. She got hit walking by the side of a road by a drunk. And um, I don't remember how it was, but I felt compelled to go to his house. And I was, went to his house, and I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't want to be here. That's honest. And my youth minister, who was so influential on me, he was a priest named Pat. He was getting out of his car at the same time. And I said, I, I don't know what to say. I don't want to do. I, I just confessed to him. I don't want to be here. And he told me two things I've never forgotten. He said, one, look, first of all, it's not, you don't need to worry about what you've got. Just ask God to work through you. 
And secondly, he said, look, it's just a ministry of presence. All you need to do is be present. Let him, let, let the family know that they're loved. And it's, and it's bigger than that. And I've never forgotten those words. They were, they were ingrained on me. And that's all I, I went and just sat in the room with him. You know, there was a house full of people doing that same thing. That's part of what pastoral care often is. It's just sensitive to the spirit, let God work through you and just be present in whatever's going on. I was reminded of this recently. I've got one of my friends going through a divorce right now that wasn't expected. And um, <laughs> we talk almost every day. And I find myself wanting to turn on my analytical mind. Like, what hap- what's happened? How can we fix this? What's going on? You know, all this stuff. And I had to stop. There's something he said the other day that made me just stop and say, no, I just need to be present. I just need to be, I just need to be present in love. That's it. Full stop. Because that's oftentimes the way we're, we're called to be in these kind of pastoral moments. I think, too, about, um, I read recently the account of a, a Christian man who was given his witness. <clears throat> and he was talking about a moment like this. I'm going to read part of it to you. He says, it's talking about one of the lowest moments in his life. He says, I remember an experience of being totally abandoned, my heart in anguish, my mind going crazy with despair, my body shaking wildly. I cried, I screamed, I pounded the floor and the walls. The two friends were with me. They didn't say anything. They just were there. When after several hours, I calmed down a little bit, they were still there. They put me in their their arms around me and they held me rocking me like a little child. Then we simply sat on the floor. My friends gave me something to drink. I couldn't speak. There was silence, safe silence. Today, I think of that experience as a turning point in my life. God helps us know that kind of love and share it. I think that's the heart of pastoral care. I want to wind things up today by just mentioning some practical things about pastoral care on the ground um, and how we, we do it. The first of all, which I just want to jump up and down. Maybe I want to say, if you get nothing else out of today's sermon, remember this pastoral care is not just the pastors or the clergy. It's the laity and the clergy. It's a team thing. We all do it. Anybody living in their baptismal covenant is called to love others, to be known by love and to be, in that sense, involved in pastoral care. And um, it's, it's part of what our, our calling is. And it, there are all kinds of ways you will do it with your friends and with the people, in the, your brothers and sisters in the church that you know at a very informal level. But there's also ways that we as a church have organized to do this. And we're asking people to pray about this gift of love and how you might use it in pastoral care. And there are all kinds of formal ministries that we have here. I want to mention some of these to you. And if you're interested, um, just let us know at the church. Of course, you all probably know Greg is in charge of pastoral care. I only singled him out now, but <laughs> you can get with him at the end, of the end of the service too. But we have ministries that are involved in preparing food for uh, families with newborns or people going through hard times. There's ministries that people write notes of encouragement. There are people who help homebound parishioners get communion or to receive or to feel connected. There's ministries involved praying for others, supporting those who've been um, through addiction. There's Stephen ministers that walk through people in particularly hard chapters of life. We have ministries here that are involved supporting caregivers, bereavement support. There are people who make prayer shawls where they pray while they make these shawls to, and then go give them to people who are going through hard chapters to know 
that they're surrounded and covered in God's love and prayer and prayer by others, cancer support, divorce recovery, and on and on. There are all kinds of different ministries. that. And if you think there's one that's not here, that's probably your call. Um, there are all kinds. And I, I will add a personal note here. I've been through some of the hardest chapters of life in the last few years, and I am grateful to be on the receiving end of pastoral care. Um, as I went through a, a broken relationship, there were people who showed up and said, I love you. I don't care what you've been through. I'm just here to support you and let you know God loves you and, and, and life is good. Keep walking. Who, that's all they said. That's all they did. And I'm so appreciative of the people who did that. It matters. It makes a difference. It's how we show God's love in the world amidst um, all kinds of different brokenness. I want to just remind you that we have a God who loves. He loves you like you are. Full stop. But he calls us on a journey of love to know more of his love, but then to share it in the world beyond our doors, but certainly in here amongst ourselves to the point that he, Jesus wants us to be known as a community of love. Are you willing to pray to have more of that love in you and to share it? I'm going to pray for that. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you do love us regardless of what we've done, where we've been, how we think of ourselves. We pray, Lord, um, asking you to fill us afresh with your love, that that love may return to you in worship, but it also may be delivered and given and shared with this community of faith and even beyond our walls. May we be known as a community of love, and may you be given the honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.